Welcome to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Spend this hour with us learning how you can protect the people you love from the financial, physical, and emotional consequences of an extended health care situation. Because of new state and federal laws, there are new and exciting long-term care planning options available. As a certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott will help you make sense of your options. Now, here's your host of Long-Term Care Radio, Brian Ott. You know, uh, let's go back to 1975, the summer of 1975. I was eight years old. I had just turned eight in May of 1975, and I needed $10 from my mom. So I, I, I wanted to hit her up, and I, I, I was going to borrow 10 bucks from her, and I promised her, I promised her I would pay her back. I would do extra chores. Um, she could put a lien on any of my future birthday money that I got from grandma, whatever it took. But please, 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 could I just have $10? And like any good mother, she wanted to know a little more about what I needed the money for. Now, my eight-year-old brain at that time already knew enough that that wasn't a good idea to tell her what my thought, my, my idea was. So I knew better than to tell her. So I just, I kind of danced around the subject. I let her know I had $15 and I needed 25 to make this purchase. And if she could just loan me the $10, I'd be good to go. And again, my mom pressed. She said, what was I going to buy for $20 or $25? And so I danced around the subject some more. She pressed a little bit more. I danced around the subject a little more. She pressed a little bit more until I finally told her. And I'm telling you within a half a second, and let's, let's make that a nanosecond of me finishing telling her, what I needed the money for, why it was a good idea, why it was a great buy, and how it would improve my life and how I would never want again. Within a millisecond of me finishing that up, my mom looked at me and said, no, I'm not giving you $10 to buy a mini bike." and she walked away. Now, there's an old saying in life that I think is still true. You want what you can't have. And her rejection simply made me more desperate to get this mini bike than ever. So like any desperate eight-year-old, you know, no doesn't mean no. It just means mom doesn't have enough information. So I went back in. I tried everything to change her mind. I batted my big brown eyes. I stuck out my best pouty lip. I talked in my sweetest voice. I promised I would be, I, w- I, mean, I was going to be the best eight-year-old on the planet. She would never, ever uh, have to discipline me again. I just made all the promises. I even pulled out the Sears Roebuck catalog and showed her what a screaming deal it was. This, this mini bike that I was going to get for $25 compared to a new one. And it was practically new anyway. It was just, it was slightly used, but eh, no luck. At every turn, the answer was no, no, and no. So after pastoring her all afternoon and getting the same results, getting that same stern no, I decided to keep my powder dry until my dad got home from work and then I'd work my magic on the old man because you know he's like my mom wasn't a motorcycle gal I figured that was the problem she never rode a motorcycle she didn't know anything about him but my dad he's he's you know probably more of a motorhead so I would definitely work on him so I hatched a plan I would wait till after supper I would approach my dad alone in the living room and then just you know razzle and dazzle him with like the top 117 reasons why he needed to loan me 10 bucks and why it was a good idea so I kept my cool during dinner. My mom was watching me and I ate my dinner. I ate all my vegetables. I made sure I cleaned my plate. I did everything, put my plate away over there in the dishwasher and everything. And then after dinner, when my mom was in cleaning up, I went into the living room to approach my dad. And I was like, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to get my 10 bucks. So before I even said anything, I was just approaching my dad and I walked up to him. And before I even started my pitch, my dad looks at me, sets up and says, Brian, I'm not giving you $10 to buy a mini bike, so don't even ask. I mean it. And sat back in his chair. I just gripped my teeth and looked down the floor and turned around and walked out. And I was like, rats. Apparently, somewhere between the time my father walked in the door, took a shower, and sat down for supper, my mom got to him. That's the bottom line. That's all I can think of. My mom got to him and, and squilled. So, you know, I went to bed very disappointed, to, to say the least, that night, but it didn't stop me. I, I woke up motivated. The next day, I got up, I went to work, and I said, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to get this $10. And I will tell you, that's a key driving point in my life. You, you, you settle for what other people give you, and if you're not settled with that, you're not happy with that, then figure out how to go get it on your own. And that was a little turning point. So I went out, 
and I got on my bike and I rode up and down the streets and I, I, I knocked on people's door that I knew and asked, I cleaned out a chicken coop. I asked somebody if I could, you know, do some yard work and I'd earn a dollar here and 50 cents there. And I stopped back and checked in on this mini bike every day, sometimes twice a day and just give them my progress and letting them know that, you know, I was working on it. I, I, I had the money. And at one point, the people that were selling the mini bike finally, I think they finally caved and sold it to me for, you know, like $23.58 or whatever I had because I was just stopping and checking in every day. So that week, I had finally figured out how to earn that $10 or close to it, the $8, and buy this mini bike. So got that thing fired up, and they went through me, and they helped me out, and I, I uh, you know, rode that thing home. And we lived down about halfway down this dirt road that was sandwiched between there was a ditch and then the railroad tracks on the other side of the ditch. And we had this dirt road and we were the last house about halfway down the road. And then there's a big open area that went down and it, the road dead ended at a gate. And then beyond that was the ranch and the real grand river. So I rode up and down our road and we had a, a kind of a U-shaped driveway. So I'd turn in on our first driveway and go around our house and come back, back and connect to the road a little further down. And I sat there and I did hot laps for honestly probably an hour waiting for my mom to come out and she never did and so i finally parked that thing and i went in and i was all proud I had my, my my chest out high my chin up and uh, she just looked at me and she's like so you got the mini bike after all and i said yeah i did you know and i was pretty proud of it and i will tell you that my mom had some reasons for saying no right and she saw the danger that i didn't see now, keep in mind that in the 1970s as a kid, there was one real superhero out there, and that was Evil Knievel. I mean, do you guys remember that? Do you remember ABC World Sports where he would jump like buses and Mack trucks and, ugh. He had that motorcycle. He had that cool leather suit that was white, and then it had like the, the little patches of blue and red with like, like the white stars on it and had that cape and he used to ride wheelies up and down, you know, and they would drag that out. The jump would last like, you know, one minute, but they'd drag that out for an hour just showing, you know, all the bones that he broke. And as a kid, you were just like, wow, that guy is so cool. So as an eight-year-old boy, you know, I pretty much knew where I was going. I pretty much knew what my future was going to be. I had just recently acquired this mini bike. I have to admit, I could see my future. It was pretty crystal clear at that point. I knew exactly what I needed to do. So the next day I got up and I went out and I built myself a ramp in the driveway made out of some old fence boards and a log. <sighs> and let me just tell you, it did not go as well um, as I planned. I came ripping around that corner, hit that ramp. The ramp somehow, I don't know if it came apart or what, but the back wheel hit the log. The front wheel made it over. Next thing you know, I was launched you know, 20 feet in the air and came down with a mouthful of gravel and gravel burns on my hands and uh, it was just an absolute disaster. So ran inside, of course, to get the poor babies for my mom. And, you know, my mom's pretty much in the in the mood of I told you so. You know, this is what's going to happen. And I will tell you, I learned a lot about physics that day. You know, I learned a little bit about suspension. Apparently, my mini bike did not have suspension like Evil Knievel, as my dad was explaining, that you can't go launching a mini bike up in the air and it's not going to come down and land like a motorcycle that has suspension. And so... The whole thing was a learning process for me. And I'll tell you what, um, I had several mishaps that summer. The, um, you know, Buffy, uh, Buffy, the not Buffy, the ba vampire slayer, but she could, might as well have been the vampire slayer. Buffy was uh, the ruling queen dog and the trespass enforcer for our neighbor's property. And she was this yellowish blonde collie mix that lived outside all the time and had a coat like a musk ox, you know, just matted and dirty. And you could barely see her feet hanging out the bottom of it. And I was riding past her house one day, just full throttle. And I think, you know, three and a half horsepower in that mini bike. I had a top speed of maybe 14 miles an hour. And I thought I had it. So I was zipping by in a pair of shorts. And Buffy got the angle on me and got, you know, full calf in her mouth. So I learned a little bit about geometry that day. I also learned a little bit about tetanus shots that day because I ended up with a quick trip to the doctor. So, you know, as children, we tend to lack some of the basic risk management skills that we have as adults. And our tolerance for risk, you know, is is pretty high as children, you know, mostly because you don't have a frontal lobe, or if you do, I think my frontal lobe was probably about the size of a pinno bean when I was eight years old. I, I did not make good decisions. And so we, we as we grow older, we generally start becoming more and more aware of risk, which is why my parents probably, you know, that was probably part of the reason they didn't think an eight-year-old getting a mini bike was a good idea. My mom could see me doing something stupid, which I did, right, the very next day. And she understood that that's a great way to get hurt, which I just didn't see any of that. I saw myself flying through the air with a cape, you know, Brian Evil Knievel, that, that's what I saw. 
But over time, you know, you start to learn. And that summer with that mini bike, I started to learn a little bit about risk management. Like if you don't want your hands torn up, wear gloves. If you don't want to get your calf punctured by the dog, neighbor's dog, you know, put some pants on and don't drive by her when she's laying out there on the side of the road. And you just have to go through these things. As adults, you know, one of the key ways we start to learn to manage risk, of course, is through insurance. You know, we have health insurance, we have home insurance, we have auto insurance. Mostly those are the ones we know because we have to have those, right? You're supposed to have health insurance. You're supposed to have homeowner's insurance if you have a mortgage. And and you're supposed to have auto insurance when you drive a car. But again, the idea is adults, we don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we know if our house burns down, then we have the insurance there to mitigate that risk. And as we grow older, we start bringing in other types of insurances like life insurance when we get married, disability insurance when we get a good job, and then long-term care insurance, of course, is what we talk about here on Long-Term Care Radio, long-term care insurance to mitigate the biggest risk of all. That's our risk of an extended health care when we move into retirement, when we're transitioning out. And I think that's what we're going to do today. I just wanted to you know, tell you that, uh, you know, my story about buying that mini bike, because it's really funny. When you look at how we evolve through life and what we do and how the risk change in our life, you know, my risk as a kid was, was hurting myself. It wasn't not having food or, or my house burning down or wrecking a car. I didn't have to worry about any of those things. And then as we age, we start having different risks. We have a family. We need to look at life insurance. We get a nice job. We need to make sure we have disability insurance so that if we are unable to work, we don't go broke. And then for long-term care, as we start to transition and think about our later years in retirement, we want to make sure that everything we worked hard for and the people we care about is protected. And I will tell you, today we have some of the best options that are out there for long-term care. And I want to share with you today really the difference between traditional plans and asset-based plans as we've been talking about, you know, what long-term care is, what it pays for all those things the last couple of weeks. Today, I want to get down to the nuts and bolts of the different types of plans that we have out there and how they work. So I'm going to take a quick break. We'll get into this when we get back. We'll be right back. Avoid the mistake of paying unnecessary taxes, guarantee the quality of your care, and preserve your legacy and wealth by setting up your own tax-free long-term care plan. Learn more by attending Brian's free live webinar class. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. As we age, we can't always plan on good health, but you can plan long-term care coverage to give peace of mind to you and your family. Hey, it's Mandy Connell, and a great way to learn about long-term care is to join my friends from 525 Advisors for their upcoming free long-term care planning live webinar. You'll learn so much. 525 Advisors will explain how long-term care works, what the coverage pays for, and you'll discover all the new options and different ways to fund a plan. They even have plans with lifetime benefits that pay you back if you never use it. Then when you're ready, 525 Advisors will design a custom plan with you, just like they're doing for my husband and me right now. I love how much time they've spent with us, and it's not just me. Read the reviews. People love working with Brian and Madeline at 525 Advisors. So get the great peace of mind long-term care coverage gives you. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up for the next free live webinar. That's 525longtermcare.com, 525longtermcare.com. Hi, this is Brian Ott with 525 Advisors. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to protect many people and their families with long-term care planning. However, I've also seen how long-term care events devastate families and turn the last years for the family into their worst years. Many people believe the downside from a long-term care situation is limited to financial loss. Yet often, it's the emotional damage that lingers and hurts the family members the most. Watching a loved one go through their savings is one thing, but watching a loved one lose their dignity is far worse. Long-term care insurance provides a dedicated source of funds to help pay for your care when you need it. But more importantly, it provides you with a team of trained professionals that will help you and your family manage your care. Learn how you can stay in control of your care options, maintain your dignity, and protect the people you care about most by attending one of our upcoming live webinars. Sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. Are you confused about the best way to protect your family and savings? Get answers now by listening to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, certified long-term care planning specialist with 525 Advisors. 
And welcome back, and thanks again for tuning into Long-Term Care Radio. Um, you heard some ads there. I've got a couple of classes coming up on the calendar in February. Believe it or not, this is the last weekend in January. I can't believe it. So uh, we're going to be wrapping up um, our, um, you know, our, 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 or putting up our next classes for February, and that is going to be on the 12th. That's going to be a Saturday, which is going to be 8 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, or vice versa, I'm sorry, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. And then Thursday, the 17th, that's going to be a kickoff at 4 p.m. Um, Thursday afternoon, Mountain Time, and 3 p.m. on Pacific Time. So you can get all the information at 525 longtermcare.com. So, you know, over the the last few weeks, if you missed any of these shows, again, always get our podcast at 525longtermcare.com. You can get your smart speaker to play them, whatever it is. But, you know, we've been talking a little bit about what long-term care planning does and the options we have, the, the different things that insurance does, how it works, how it pays, what it pays for, where it pays for care. Today, I just want to spend a little bit of time going over some of the types of plans that we have that are available in the market today. You know, putting an insurance plan in place is one of the ways we mitigate risk, whatever the risk is. And for long-term care, for extended health care, we use long-term care insurance. It's no different than any other risk that we have out there. In fact, it's the only way we can mitigate that risk is to pass some of that risk on to an insurance company. And the risk we're facing from an extended health care situation comes in many forms. Number one is financial. That's what I think most people are aware of. We know it's expensive. You know, everybody knows somebody that ended up, it seems like it's like, well, they had to go to the nursing home or assisted living, and it was just, you know, it it burned through all their finances. So we know that long-term care situations are incredibly expensive. But they're expensive in more ways than that, than just financial. It's also physical and emotional because, you know, half of Americans end up having to depend on family members only for long-term care. Two out of three people in long-term care situations depend on their family for at least part of it, like on the weekends. In fact, I just have a sister-in-law that, you know, her her biological dad, which she she's seen, you know, a handful of times in her life, just called her up and said, you know, you could come on the weekends and be my caretaker because my wife doesn't want to do it anymore. And, you know, so again, the time, physical, and the emotional stress of being a caregiver. So those are all the risks that we face from an extended healthcare situation. Today, we have more options than ever and more ways to fund these plans than we did in the past. And I want to really break it down today to two distinct categories. And I'm going to start with what we call traditional. There's really traditional long-term care plans, which have been around since the 70s. And then there's been the asset-based plans, or which are the relatively newer plans out there. Now, if we look at traditional long-term care plans, the first one, I think around 1974, the Fireman's Fund eventually became Genworth. Um, that's just, you know, work like any other insurance that we're familiar with. We're going to set up a policy and we're going to pay a premium. So it's like your homeowner's insurance. Figure out how much coverage you need. You set up the policy and you pay an annual premium to keep that policy in force. Um, these plans work with the state partnership program, which means that if you run out of your insurance, let's say, remember, it's a bucket of money. So if you use all your long-term care insurance, if you need to apply for Medicaid, you don't have to spend all your assets down now. They allow you to protect assets equal to what the insurance company paid out for long-term care up to that point when you ran out. So that's a nice thing about traditional plans. Age ranges for these traditional plans are going to be anywhere from 30 to 79. We used to have some carriers that go down to 18. There's still a couple carriers that will go to 18, but they're group carriers. So again, really, we're looking at ages 30 to 79 is generally that range that we're going to be able to get you qualified on a traditional plan if you're healthy enough. Um, coverage ranges mean how much money do you get for long-term care? It can be anywhere from $1,500 a month to $10,000 a month as a starting benefit. And then, of course, you can put your inflation, what they call an inflation rider, which just compounds that benefit. It grows it by anywhere from 1% to 5%, depending on you know what you choose. And minimum amount of time of coverage on a long-term care plan is going to be two years. So that means whatever benefit you select, if you're pulling that maximum benefit out every month, the policy is going to last you a minimum of two years, but you can extend that all the way out to a lifetime benefit, which means you'll never run out of your long-term care benefits. Um, premiums on traditional plans are usually paid on what we call a continuous pay option, which means you're going to pay until you go on claim. So it's like health insurance. It's like um, 
well, well, health insurance doesn't go away when you go on claim, but it's like your homeowner's insurance, it's your car insurance, it's like automobile insurance, all that stuff you just keep paying. Well, long-term care works that same way. You're going to pay until you trigger a claim and then a waiver of premium is going to kick in. And once you start receiving your benefit, you no longer pay premiums. And so that's a waiver of premium. So as a general rule, you have to prepare to pay for these, you know, until you need it. Now, there are some workarounds. There is a company out there, a couple companies that offer a 10 pay, which means you pay a higher premium for 10 years and then the policy is paid up. And there is one company out there that does a single pay premium. And that's really doesn't make a lot of sense in most cases unless you're a C corporation and you can write off 100% of the premiums. But those options do exist out there. Um, and again, the premiums stop. If you're paying over time, they're going to stop once you trigger a claim. And the premiums are deductible as a business owner. So if you are a sole proprietor, if you are a partnership, whatever it is, you get to deduct up to the IRS limits, which is a table based on age. And they change it every year. So they go 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70. They'll allow you to deduct a certain amount of premiums every year. If you're a C corporation, you can write off 100% of the premiums without any limitations. And if you have a health savings account, you can use that same IRS table that the small business owners use and deduct some of the premiums. And the nice thing to understand about that is the premiums are tax deductible. I mean, if you get some deduction on the premiums, the benefits are always still tax deductible. Now, beware. Here's the problem with these these traditional plans. The premiums are not guaranteed to remain level. That's always been that's been a big problem for anybody that has one of these older plans because interest rates have gone down and it's forced carriers to raise rates because they're not getting the return on their investments that they thought. There's no cash value. There's no death benefit. So many advisors describe these plans as use it or lose it, meaning if you don't ever make a claim, you're done. You're not going to get your long-term care. So there are some riders that can be put on these policies, but I'm not going to spend time on those that will say, oh, we'll give you X amount of money if you die before age 65 or whatever it is, because I just think those are a waste. Um, Once you price those out, you're better off just keeping your money and putting that money in your bank account because you're probably going to have more money anyway. And the other thing to keep in mind with traditional plans is they have the strictest underwriting because they know that waiver premium, if you take out a plan today, you get hit by the bus tomorrow. You jump your mini bike and something goes wrong and you end up in a long-term care situation, the company's going to start paying you and you're going to stop paying them. So they're going to do the strictest underwriting. Now, that's a traditional plan in a nutshell. Who are these best for? Generally smaller states, people with maybe good income and pension income, but not a lot of assets, or a C corporation that can deduct or a business owner that can deduct some of the premiums. That's where we'll look at these traditional plans. Now, the newest plans that are out there by far and the most popular out there from from coast to coast now where most of the new money is going into these plans is what we call asset base. They're also known as linked benefits or hybrid plans. Now, the versions of these programs have actually been around since the late 1980s. So we're going on over 30 years now with these asset-based plans. However, many of the carriers have just started rolling out these plans and a lot of them since 2010 because of changes to the Pension Protection Act which gave us new ways to fund these plans and new tax advantages. A lot like traditional plans, ages 30 to 85 on an asset-based plan. Same monthly benefit amounts, $1,500 to up to $20,000 a month on an asset-based plan. You can, of course, put inflation riders on them. Coverage is going to last anywhere from two years to a lifetime benefit, which is the plan that I have. Cash benefits are available, which means that if you go on claim, you can get a cash benefit so you can hire family members. I don't have that option on a traditional plan. I have a a portion of it can come in cash, but actual asset-based plans, we have several carriers that will just give you the full monthly benefit every month, and you can hire family members. Um, There's multiple funding options with asset-based plans. I can do a single lump sum. I can do limited pay, like five years, 10 years, 20 years. I can do a continuous pay, which means I pay until I go on claim. I can do a combination of those. I can even do a 1035 exchange, which means I'm taking money out of a life insurance or an annuity and moving it into one of these plans. But there's one key point that you need to know on these asset-based plans. They're guaranteed level if you're paying over time. They're going to pay you back whether you use them or not. There's always value in the plan. You can deduct some of the premiums. The benefits always come back tax-free. And here's why they make, they're make they so popular. Because you don't use them, there's going to be money paid back to the state. There's value outside of that policy as far as outside of the long-term care. You get guaranteed leverage and guaranteed tax benefits out of these asset-based plans. So again, win, lose, or draw. 
Now, we got to take a quick break. And when I come back this week for the client of the week, I'm going to actually introduce you to Lisa and Kelly. I'm going to show you two plans. One's an asset base, one's a traditional, so that we can kind of compare. We'll be right back. Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, providing valuable insight to protect you in the event of an extended healthcare situation. Learn more by attending one of Brian's free live webinar classes this month. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. 525longtermcare.com. Staying in control of your care options is a better alternative than letting the government decide for you. Welcome back to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, Certified Long-Term Care Planning Specialist with 525 Advisors. Hey, and welcome back. Um, So today we're talking a little bit. I just want to explain the main differences between asset-based and traditional plans. So again, just a quick recap. Traditional plans, when I say a traditional long-term care insurance plan, that means I'm just going to pay a premium. I'm going to pay a premium. There's no other value in that policy outside of the long-term care insurance which is the you know the same way our homeowner's insurance works. If you pay for 30 years and then sell your house and downsize, the insurance company doesn't send you a check back when you sell your home because your house ended up burned down, right? It's just that's you had insurance. And so that's the way the traditional plans work. The asset-based plans on the other side of that are going to be geared more for people who have larger estates, who can reposition part of their nest egg, maybe high-income earners that can put more money into a plan over a shorter period of time. And the advantages that they get are going to be you know, guaranteed leverage, the tax benefits, they're going to have a finite amount of money that goes in. And the asset-based plans are ideal for people that are self-insuring. It's just a better way to self-insure. So if you're sitting there and saying, well, I've got my $250,000 set aside for long-term care. Well, guess what? You can move it over to a long-term care plan, and you can triple that amount of money for coverage. The money comes back to you tax-free. It never counts as income, and if you don't use it, you're going to get your $250,000 back or even more in some cases. So there's a lot of asset-based plans out there, and there's a lot of ways that we can fund them where a traditional plan you know, outside of the 10 pay and the single pay, which we, we I've never, I, I think I've put together one or two single pay on a traditional plan. Because again, it's for a C corporation that can write that premium off. Because once we start looking at the 10 pay, we have to look at the asset-based plans because the asset-based plans are for the same money are going to give you some additional features, meaning cash value in the plan in case you need the money back and money back to your state if you don't use it. So unless you're a business owner, like a C corporation, just looking for max deductibility, we will generally, once we get to the 10 pay and the single pay, want to look over at those asset-based plans and compare. So this week on the Client of the Week, if you're new to Long-Term Care Radio, every week at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to bring in a client and show you the process that we went through and just discuss how we got to the plan that we designed for them, what's important to them. And that's really what you just, I want you to take away from this is not the money, not the dollars. Don't try to write that down. Numbers are hard on the radio. I just want you to just kind of listen from the 10,000-foot view and understand some of the different options that are available so that when you decide that maybe I want to look into long-term care planning, you'll understand that there's some steps that we go through to design a custom plan for you. So I got Kelly and Lisa. They're both 55-year-old females. This was just great. I just went back through our database, and I want to compare and contrast asset-based and traditional because these are the same benefits but just one's an asset and one is a traditional-based plan. So let's start with Lisa. Lisa's 55. She's working full-time as a teacher and plans on working another 8 to 10 years before she retires. Her concerns, not having enough money to pay for care and ending up in a nursing home. That's a big one for her. She has an aunt that is in a care situation right now, so she's seen how costly that is. She will be on a fixed income, so most of her income in retirement will be from a pension And she'll have Social Security. She does have a small retirement account, but again, that's not going to be the majority of her money. As a teacher, the majority of her retirement is going to come from her pension and that Social Security. Um, She just doesn't want to be a burden on her kids. Her husband is a disabled vet, so Lisa knows he cannot get coverage. Now, the VA is going to cover him to a degree, but again, remember the VA is means-tested, so she's kind of worried about that too. The nice thing about Lisa's income, remember that even if her husband ends up in long-term care and has to apply for Medicaid, technically Lisa's going to get to keep the house, she'll get to keep a car, 
but Lisa gets to keep the income in her own name, right? And so they'll, she'll get to keep up to about $120,000 of liquid assets. That's about it. The rest has to go to pay for care for her husband. So with her pension on Social Security, she can live off of that. So she needs a little buffer zone in case she doesn't have the other assets because they've had to spend them down on her husband. So that's kind of what we were looking at when we went through this with her. Now, what I found out about her is Lisa's pretty healthy. She has high blood pressure, and she takes a statin for cholesterol. But, you know, overall, she's she's in good shape. She has some intermittent knee pain, but no surgeries planned or, or nothing recommended. That's the key. The doctor hasn't said you need to go in and get your knee replaced. Um, she, again, doesn't have a large retirement account. Will depend on pension and Social Security. She has good income and is currently able to save money each year from her income. She uh, wants to age in place. She would like to stay in her home as long as she can. Her and her husband have built this home. They love it. They want to be there as long as they can. Um, they still have a mortgage on it, but they figured that the house will be paid off by the time she retires. Um, she doesn't have money to pay into a lump sum. So again, asset base is just really out for her. I mean, we could look at a pay-as-you-go asset base plan, which we did. But again, because of the premiums being higher, she decided we're going to look at a traditional plan. So that's what we did. We... Because of her, she had a smaller nest egg, we just really looked at a traditional plan, um, which means she's just going to make payments, annual payments over time into her plan. And once she goes on claim, she will get her benefit. If she never uses it, there's no money paid back to the estate. So here's what we did. This is how we set the plan up for. Lisa's going to make annual payments of $5,522. So just figure $5,500 a year will be her premium. This provides Lisa with an initial long-term care bucket of $285,000. Now, remember, again, picture that long-term care insurance as a bucket of money. So she's got $285,000 day one in her bucket. She can pull out $6,000 a month. That's her long-term care benefit. So if we divide those out, this plan is going to last her about four years. That would be the minimum time if she pulls out the maximum amount. Again, if she's only pulling out $3,000, well, that two eighty five dollars would last her eight years. So the money doesn't expire. It's just we're deciding when we set up a plan how much money do we want in that bucket and how fast do we want to be able to pull it out each month. So she's going to pull $6,000 out a month. We put a 3% inflation rider on it. So what that means is 20 years down the road, her $285,000 has grown to $514,000. Her $6,000 benefit has grown to $10,800 a month. 30 years down the road. When she's 85, she'll have $691,000 guaranteed of insurance. She'll have $14,564 a month that she can pull out for four years. So again, when we talk about inflation riders, it's not tied to inflation. This is just a compounding effect on this plan. It's guaranteed regardless of what the market's doing, regardless of what interest rates are doing. She knows her plan is growing. The plan has the waiver premium built in, which means if she goes on claim next year, she doesn't make any more payments. So that's the way these traditional plans will work. It's state partnership qualified. This is another blessing for her. So let's say something happened to her early on and she maybe had, you know, $400,000 in her bucket and she went through all that. She would be able to protect $400,000 of liquid assets and still get help from Medicaid. She would not have to spend all her assets down. That is a key part of these traditional plans that if they have the inflation rider on them, they're state partnership qualified, it gives you an additional benefit if you run out of your long-term care insurance. Now, her particular plan has an option for cash. I was just telling you, you can't pay family members, but when she, if she went on claim today, she has $6,000, the, the insurance company would say, you can take $1,500 a month cash and the rest of the money stays in your bucket, and you can use that 1500 to pay family members, or you can take the full 6000 as a reimbursement, which means you have to hire qualified people to provide the receipts to get that $6,000. So her plan has a little bit of flexibility on cash. Um, she can increase the inflation option over time. So if she wanted to go from 3% to 3.5%, the company would allow her to do that. She has a 90-day elimination period. So 90 days just simply means she's going to pay the first 90 days of care, and then the insurance will kick in. And that's what they, that's standard, 90 days, because again, that, that kind of comes from the HIPAA rules and the definition of long-term care, an event expected to last 90 days or more. So that's where that waiting period or elimination period kind of became standard at 90 days. You can buy them down to 60 days, 30 days, even zero days. But the problem is when you do that, 
it pushes the premium up substantially. And so if you look at the difference that you pay over time, you're better keeping that money somewhere else. And again, most long-term care plans start out slow and they ramp up over time. And if you go straight to a facility from a medical event, there's a good chance that your insurance or Medicare is going to pay part of that journey initially. So the 90-day elimination standard is kind of it, it's kind of a standard that we use, and most carriers use that. You can you can buy it down, but again, when you look at the difference, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. So again, $5,500 a year is what she's going to pay, and she's got long-term care insurance, a very meaningful plan. She's got access to a concierge-level claim support with this policy. It's just fantastic. It's just a really good deal, and it's going to give her the protection that she's looking for in case her husband ends up using a lot of their assets. She'll still get her pension. She'll still get her Social Security, and now she'll have her long-term care benefit that will always be hers. So that's a traditional plan. Now, let's compare and contrast that. Let me introduce you to Kelly. Let's talk about Kelly for a second. Kelly is a 55-year-old female. She is single. She is divorced, um, but she is working full-time as as an executive, and she plans on working for another five to seven years. Now, she has one daughter who has grown out of college and working. Her concerns, of course, is like she would like a dedicated source of income to pay for care should she need it. She said, look, I plan on working. I plan on saving all this money for retirement and all these things going well. But if something happens, I want to make sure that I have a little bit of protection there so I don't wipe out my retirement goals or my future. Uh, Kelly has a mom who is 80 years old and has long-term care insurance, and she sees the benefit. She sees the comfort in knowing that her mom has a plan and that they'll be able to turn that on because several of her mom's friends are in long-term care situations. So Kelly thought, you know, this is really a good idea. What we found out about Kelly was she was maxing out her retirement through work. Um, her main that that was going to be her main source of re- income in retirement. So she's not going to have a pension. She's going to be be you know counting on those retirement accounts that she's building up. Um, she has cash savings and she has some investments as well too. She's able to save some extra money out of her take home pay. She owns her house um, free and clear. She may downsize at some point. Um, she likes to travel, so she thought oh, I might downsize to a condo or something. Travel. I don't know. It depends where her daughter ends up. Um, she did not want to make payments if she could avoid it in retirement. So she did not want an ongoing continuous payment. Um, she thought, you know, I, I would like to pay. I don't know if I want to pay in a lump sum, but I would like to pay or have it paid up if I could over a finite amount of time, a certain amount of years. She has a sizable health savings account, which was advantageous for her because she was pretty healthy and she wasn't using it. So it had been growing. Um, and she loved the idea of setting up a plan that would go back to her daughter should she not need long-term care. It would just money back to the estate. So Kelly was healthy. We had lots of options. She could have done traditional. But again, no cash value. She would have just been paying payments until she went on claim. And so we looked at the asset-based plan because the asset-based plan always or also gave us a lot more options to fund um, her long-term care insurance. So we could do lump sums. We could do combinations. We could do 10 pay, five pay, whatever it was. So we ended up settling on the asset-based plan or, you know, what a lot of people call these hybrid, but that's what we ended up settling on. We considered a single pay option. She had the cash that she could have done that. She could have sold some investments and done it, but I really recommended doing a 10 pay for her because she was still working And she had a health savings account, and we have carriers that will separate out on these asset-based plans, the long-term care portion, so you can deduct that, again, up to the IRS limits. It's a small deduction, like for her, from 50 to 60, and then 60 to 70 is going to jump up, but she can deduct a couple thousand dollars of the premium each year out of her health savings account. So that means she can pay that portion with tax-free money, basically. And we so we looked at a 10-pay, a 10-pay, which meant just 10 guaranteed level payments. So 10 annual payments. Once she's made 10 payments, the policy is completely paid up. Now, here's what we did. We did identical coverage that we gave. We just talked about for Lisa. So again, four years of coverage at $6,000 a month with a 3% inflation rider. So she's got that same size bucket of money that we just talked about. But here's the difference where Lisa was making $5,500 payments Kelly's going to make 10 payments of $16,283. So she'll pay a total of $162,000 into this plan, and then it will be fully, fully paid up. Now, if she goes on claim at, say, year eight, she gets hit by the bus, the waiver premium is going to kick in, and she's not going to make those final two payments. 
The other thing that she needs to know is that it's also got a death benefit component, meaning that if she dies in the first, you know, if she dies in the first um, eight years, there's going to be $144,000 paid out to her estate tax-free. Even if she's only made one payment, she'll get that one hundred forty-four. So that portion of it works like a life insurance portion. After she's made her eighth payment, she'll make payment nine, payment 10. Her death benefit's going to crawl up to the 162, which is equal to what she's paid into the plan. Now, if she doesn't use this plan and she just dies, the death benefit is paid back to the estate. If she uses all of her long-term care insurance, so you could go out there and say, well, let's go out there 20 years. And she's got over $500,000 of long-term care insurance. She uses it all when she dies. Her estate's going to get $28,800. That's a guaranteed minimum death benefit. So the way they do this on these asset bases, they say, we're going to give you the death benefit minus any long-term care paid out. If you use all your long-term care, this particular company says, we'll still give you $28,800. So she put 162 in it. So her net cost is really about $134,000 because even if she uses all the long-term care insurance, there's still going to be $28,000 paid back. I call that the funeral fund. Um, Here's the other thing about this plan. After she's made all 10 payments, let's say something changes in her life. For whatever reason, financially, she needs her money back. If she cancels her plan starting year 11, she gets 100% of her premium back. If she has to cancel her plan the first year, two years, three years, five years, first nine years, whatever it is, she would get 80% of her premium back. Now, let's do some quick math here. Remember, they've got identical plans, Lisa and Kelly. One's traditional, one's asset-based. So Lisa's got to pay $5,500 a year for just pure insurance. No other benefits out there. If Lisa cancels her plan along the way, she, let's say year one, she cancels it. She gets 80% of her money back. So out of her money that she would walk away from, it would cost her 3256 That's the money she would lose, 20% of the premium that she paid of that 16000 Well, that's only $3,200. Well, Lisa's paying $5,500, and if Lisa cancels year one, she gets nothing back. So these asset-based plans, ha- you know, they're not necessarily more expensive. It's just you're putting more money in faster. They're just different. So you keep that in mind. And, and the thing is, if we divide this out, you're saying, well, gosh, you know, after a certain point, we get out 22, 25 years. Um, you know, how much money? So, so let's just take the full math. If we take the math on the asset base and we divide that 160000 that Kelly's putting in, Lisa's $5,500 payments, well, within 29 years, she would have paid that much money in. So she's, she's going to be 84 years old. She would still, she would have paid that 160 in, assuming the premiums stay the same. Remember, the premiums are not level on those traditional plans. Um, some other wonderful things about this asset-based plan, 90-day what they call retroactive elimination period. So that, again, Kelly will pay for the first 90 days of care, but then starting month four, they're going to give her four months worth of benefit. So if she's getting $10,000 a month, for instance, at month four, she would get $40,000 check. And then every month after that, she would get her $10,000 check. It's a 100% cash benefit. She can use this money to pay her daughter. She can hire professionals. She can move into assisted living. It doesn't matter. But the key is she can pay for informal care. So, folks, I've got to take a quick break here um, on the time schedule. I'm looking at this, take a, come up for air. We'll continue the conversation when we come back, so stick around. We'll be right back. New asset-based programs protect your savings and your family and even pay you back if you never use them. Make sure your care is funded and managed in a time of need. Learn more and sign up for one of Brian's free live webinar classes at 525longtermcare.com. As we age, we can't always plan on good health, but you can plan long-term care coverage to give peace of mind to you and your family. Hey, it's Mandy Connell, and a great way to learn about long-term care is to join my friends from 525 Advisors for their upcoming free long-term care planning live webinar. You'll learn so much. 525 Advisors will explain how long-term care works, what the coverage pays for, and you'll discover all the new options and different ways to fund a plan. They even have plans with lifetime benefits 
benefits that pay you back if you never use it. Then when you're ready, 525 Advisors will design a custom plan with you, just like they're doing for my husband and me right now. I love how much time they've spent with us, and it's not just me. Read the reviews. People love working with Brian and Madeline at 525 Advisors. So get the great peace of mind long-term care coverage gives you. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up for the next free live webinar. That's 525longtermcare.com, 525longtermcare.com. Do you know that 7 out of 10 people past the age of 65 need at some point some sort of long-term care? That's 70%. Now, many of us think it could never happen to us or somebody else is going to be there to take care of us, but the facts are clear. Most of us will need to pay for help in the future. And not only is that help expensive, but it puts a burden on family members as well. If you've never looked at long-term care insurance because you didn't know where to start, start today with 525 Advisors. Recent changes to the Pension Protection Act have made new programs more advantageous than ever. How would you like to get your premiums back if you never use your long-term care insurance? Well, you can. How would you like to leverage some of your savings for increased coverage using tax-free dollars? Now you can. 525 Advisors are the local long-term care experts. Protect yourself and your family members from the high cost of extended health care. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Sign up for the next free long-term care live webinar with Brian Ott. Go to 525longtermcare.com. This is Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Listen and learn information from a certified long-term care planning specialist. You can email your questions to radio at 525advisors.com. Hey, and welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in. Um, If you're listening live, you just heard some of the ads. Again, we do have some uh, new webinars for February up on our website. Again, we're always going to invite you to come to a webinar because those are live. You can learn about everything we we talk about on the show. Just we condense it into one tidy little package, and then we answer your questions at the end. So look for that information at 525longtermcare.com. So today, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, starting off with my mini bike story, I, I, I tell you, um, you know, there's just certain things that stick out in your mind as a kid. And that was probably one of the big turning points in my life. It taught me so many things. Um, you know, things don't always work out the way you think they are. Um, if somebody says no, that doesn't mean no. You just get up and figure it out. And so it's really been kind of a driving force. And. I, you know, I, I, I love the fact that I'm able to, to share those memories and have, you know, a good outcome of that stuff. You know, my parents were very loving. They were smart. They were risk adverse, obviously trying to protect the kids. Truthfully, my mom knew nothing about boys. She grew up with girls. My dad knew nothing, you know, well, I shouldn't say nothing, but he did. They, they were just young parents. And, but the one thing they did know is they understood some risk on a, on an eight year old boy. And so talking today a little bit of just about what we're doing as adults is we're always looking for ways to mitigate risk. And so long-term care insurance, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's just a money issue. And I will tell you, it is a much, much bigger issue than that. There's a lot of people that have a lot of money that are putting their families through torment right now due to a long-term care situation. And I was just telling you about my, my sister-in-law that got a call from her biological dad saying, you know, if, if you said if there's anything you could do, well, blah, blah, blah. Well, dad has money. It, they just don't want to spend it, right? They, they don't want to spend that money out on care, so they're going to use their family members. And what people forget about this is having a dedicated source of long-term care, number one, means that you don't have to feel guilty about spending your money down. You don't have to feel guilty about trying to get your kids to pitch in to protect your assets. Because again, when you enter a long-term care situation, you have no idea what the magnitude is going to be. Is it going to be for six months? Is it going to be for 16 years? So we have these different options out there. And what I was really trying to wrap up today was showing you on a traditional plan versus an asset-based plan. Lisa's got a very meaningful plan that she put in place. It's a traditional plan. It's going to serve her well. The downside is she's going to have to keep making those payments on an ongoing basis. The upside is if she ends up on care 20 years down the road, she will have put less money into that plan than Kelly will on the asset base. However, Kelly can afford to put more money into her plan up front, and here's the upside for Kelly. 
she's going to get her money back either way. She's guaranteed to get 100% of what she puts into her plan back, whether she uses her plan or if she cancels her plan after 10 years or if she uses all of her long-term care insurance and dies, she's going to get a lot more money back than she put in. I mean, when you look at the the, the inflation growth on these policies, you got to realize these women are, are, are 55 right now, so we really got to look out, you know, what happens if they go out 30 years? Well, now all of a sudden they're close to $700,000 in their bucket of money that is tax-free. That's a guaranteed growth regardless of what the markets are doing. So they know they have that nest egg. And the great thing about the asset-based plan is like, well, if I get lucky and I don't use it, my premiums weren't lost. However, you've got to be in a position to put more money into a plan over a shorter period of time. And that is the main difference on these asset-based plans. So people always ask me, what is better? What's right or wrong? Well, I will be honest with you. I had a traditional plan for, uh, I took it out in my 40s, and it was a very similar plan, $6,000 a month inflation for about four years of coverage. Well, when I got in a better position financially, and I looked at it, and my kids were a little bit older, I transitioned, I walked away from my traditional plan. And part of the reason why is that I can see the writing on the wall. One of the biggest problems we have is that, on the older plans, the plans that I took out, they were written when interest rates were higher. The plans today have already increased the pricing, so the new plans today we're buying are, are more expensive than the plans were 10 years ago. And so you have to weigh that out. Do I really want to pay into a plan on an ongoing basis? They could raise the rates. If I don't use it, I'm not going to get it back. Well, you know, financially, maybe that still made sense. But for me, I looked over at the asset base option. I said, look, I can set up a 10 pay. I'll know exactly how much I'm putting in. I have a lifetime coverage now. I have inflation rider on my asset base plan, but I know how much money I'm putting into that plan. I don't have to guess. And I know that if I get lucky, which is what we're all hoping for, statistically, it's not going to happen. You know, my wife or I will statistically use the long-term care plan. But if we get lucky and we don't, the money's not wasted. It's going back to the estate. And I just feel better about that. Is it the cheapest option? I don't know because I don't know when I'm going to go on long-term care. If I go on long-term care tomorrow, a traditional plan would have been a better situation. So we just have to look at all those pros and cons and understand there's not a right answer or a wrong answer. What we have to do is figure out what's right for your particular situation that's why I bring these client of the weeks out to you every week. So, again, we got a couple webinars coming up next month. Uh, sign up, 525longtermcare.com. You can also get our podcast there. Again, 525longtermcare.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Long-Term Care Radio with certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at 525longtermcare.com and learn about all the long-term care planning options available. If you have questions for Brian or would like information about any of his upcoming long-term care webinars, go to 525longtermcare.com. Be sure to join us next weekend for another edition of Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. For information, show schedules, and podcasts, go to 525longtermcare.com.